Welcome back to um, Loading Mag NUFC uh, for another away days. Feel like we've been doing these so so many uh, over the past few days, but these fixtures have been coming thick and fast. And look, um, yes, I have a new background. One or two mentioned it last night on the deadline show. If you can see in the corner that that corner, um, you can see that my kitchen is being massively pulled apart at the moment so yeah they've been digging into the walls and all sorts it's a bit of a mad one uh, at the moment so yeah living living uh, a little bit rough should we say um uh, just for a few days while things get uh, get ready and, and start to pick up but look um i don't know whether we should be talking about the liverpool game but i think one or two are still reading from that game it was a it was a tough tough pill to swallow uh, with that late goal that denied us of a deserved point. But look, we have to, as a club, as um, as as a group of players, bounce back. And Eddie Howe has said that's what he expects. The players have said that's what they expect. So um, it's going to be really, really interesting to preview this game um, tonight. Uh, and of course, as always, the best way we always preview a game on away days is by having... Um, expert opinions from the opposition and I'm absolutely uh, pleased and delighted to welcome in from back of the nest all the way over from the States. We've got T joining us again. We'll bring him in. How you doing T? Here he good. is. How you doing man? Good to meet you. Yeah, good to meet you too mate. Yeah, good to meet How's you everything? too. Um, yeah, it's all good. It's all good. Um, you know, we're just talking about the game. Uh, talking about Liverpool um, midweek, it was a tough pill to swallow from our perspective, losing so late. I mean, I don't know if you caught the game. I don't know if you managed to mm. watch it. What were your thoughts about that game? I, I watched um, most of it. I watched most of it. I didn't see the end. Yeah. What, what, what yeah, were your I, thoughts? Um, I watched most of it. I, you, I, I got this. I, I, I thought it was a, I thought it was a great a great match from what I saw, man. Everything that you all were doing, um, tightly contested. I, I like the fact that you all didn't sit back against a team like Liverpool. You all tried to take it to them. You know what I'm saying? I, I can all appreciate it against those uh, those, those sides. Um, few things, I'm sure other clubs are watching the way that, that you all handled yourself in that type of match to where you're not just sitting back, absorbing pressure, Praying not to give up a goal and then scoring on a counterattack. You know what I'm saying? So it was refreshing to see you guys play that way. Good to see uh Isak get out there too. I mean, he's he's dangerous, man. So um I didn't get to see the very end of the match. Uh, apparently 
I was apparently ruled, ruled out on offside, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so we 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 should have been two 0 up. We we should have been two 0 up. We had an mm. opportunity um, with, with Isaac again. He went through. He, he put a couple of defenders on their backs and then stuck it in the back of the neck. It, it, it was a great finish. Great finish. Um, but mm. unfortunately, mm. Um, he was in a position where. Um, he was just apparently, apparently millimeters offside. I'm not sure about it. Oh, a lot tough. of Newcastle fans will say the same. Um, you know, all the people in the chat are, are saying um, uh, about Liverpool um, uh, losing their class and saying, you know, uh, the way that Klopp has gone on is, is unacceptable. So, um, you know, they're, they're in agreement with us uh, that, that, that we should have we should have at least got a point from that game. Uh, that is for sure. Mm. But, um, look, um, I don't want to spend too much time on that. Welcome in, Rich, Richie. Uh, joining Even us from the Even to you, you all right, man? Uh, yeah, T's good. Uh, I think T, you're slightly delayed on your on your response. I think. Um, okay. So, okay. But okay. yeah. Um, what we'll do? We'll, we'll we'll get straight into it. We'll get into the palace. Um, build up because um you guys you know you've had um a decent start and, and probably could have been a little bit better um against Brentford midweek so you know talk us through that one nil up cruising it looked like looked like you're on the way to three points and then um you get hit with a bit of a sucker punch like right? talk us through it tell us tell us tell us not just about that game tell us about that game in particular but how your season's gone so far well, it, it's interesting to talk about that because we actually kind of talked this um, on our match reaction show immediately a afterwards. Um, and it was a little bit of, um, I guess you say, differences in opinion de depending on who uh, was speaking. But the thought of it was that we were controlling the game up 1-0. Um, and at a certain point, a substitution was made. Um, a few substitutions were made where we converted to going to three at the back. And with maybe 10 plus minutes to go. And uh, all of a sudden at that point, we just started absorbing crazy pressure. They started getting way more opportunities. I mean, prior to those substitutions, Brentford only had one shot on goal. One shot. Uh, but as soon as we made those substitutions, at least from what I saw, as soon as we made those substitutions, they started getting opportunity after opportunity. We ended up giving up that 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 uh that tying goal and I honestly gave up the the game winning goal. Rico say so like it doesn't make sense why uh I think we make that change at least that soon. You know what I'm saying? If we're gonna try to see our game and go three at three at the back or five at the back or however you want to say it, maybe maybe with five five minutes left, something like that. But to go for like between 15 to 10, 10 to 15 minutes and just invite that type of and stuff, especially from a team like Brentford, who's got guys who can score goals, you know, like Ivan Tony's amazing. So I, it, just, it was just tough on me. It's tough on to see out and, you know, hopefully tactically we can do better uh, in the future. Definitely. Um, and, and, and it seemed that way that you were, that you're quite unlucky, but yeah, the, the, the subs always um, looked like it, it had an impact on on the way which you played after that point. But Richie, um, I, I'll come in with, with, for your opinion, really. You know, 
I don't know how much you've seen of of Crystal Palace this season, but what what's your kind of assessment of Palace and how they've they've started this season so far? Uh, I haven't I haven't seen much of them to be honest this this year. Um, but you know, I think their results have been a bit hit and miss sort of thing. You know, they've, they've, there's performances when they've looked really good. And then there's been another one that I suppose it's a bit like what Newcastle has sometimes been in the past. There's been one week when you've Newcastle have had an absolutely fantastic uh, result, and then you think you hope you've, you've got a fantastic opportunity to build on the following week, and then you have you an absolute out of character performance sort of thing. So um, I think what you've got to remember is that there's a lot of teams. You know, obviously you look at the big six sort of thing if you go from that, and then under that there's a, there's a like a mini, you know the, the other fourteen is technically another another league in itself. Where there's so many teams on the stake can beat each other, um. So you know it's like I think I can't remember who it was from the Newcastle point of view. Turned around and said, "Oh, so you'll be expecting to win on on Saturday?" And then you, well, no, no, because you've got to respect every single team you turn up because it's the Premier League and anything's possible on its day. So you know you look at you look at Brentford that turned Man United over four uh, a few weeks ago. And haven't really looked the same since that. Uh, you know, I mean, the, 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 they were lucky to get a draw against yourselves. Um, possibly could have nicked it. You know, with the uh, Ben Mee chance literally in stoppage time, which was a bit of our situation with Wolves the other day, where you know we obviously we got equalised and then obviously Elliot hit the bar as well. So it's, it seems to be, you know, the seasons are a bit like parallel here in a little way between you know similar points where at the, at the stage of the season, similar results where there's obviously we've had the one good win at the start of the season. Had some really good performances, but just hadn't got the the results to back up how well Newcastle have played in those other games. Um, I don't know that that's probably you know what taking probably we might be able to relate to that from a you know as a, as a comparison between the two teams. Obviously, we know uh, Zaha's started off on fire this season, four goals this season already. Um, I think what what Palace need to do is try and get some goal threat from other parts of the pitch. There's possibly I know that Zaha thrives on that pressure. But at the same time, you don't always want to be re- relying on Zaha, so to speak. Mm-hmm. 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 It's kind of like you know, it, you you want to have success. You want you want Zaha to be successful. You want him to play well, but you don't want him to be the only one that's playing with. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, I couldn't agree with you more on that. Definitely. And look, we'll, we'll stick with we'll stick with Zaha. I mean, um, I had a conversation with D um, himself from from back of the nest as well, and we were talking about Zaha because I I still think of Zaha as your main man, your main man. Like Richie said, it's going to make the difference. He actually I mean, didn't. Yeah. He actually didn't think that. He thought something slightly different. He didn't think that Zaha was the main man. He thought there was one or two other players um, that were kind of considered just as important. Would you agree with that? Or are you are you still of the mindset that Zaha is your main man at Palace and is is the talisman of, of the team? I mean, I think, I think yeah, he's definitely the main, main man. Uh, I think the difference is, and I think, yeah, it, it kind of depends on how D views it. But, like, I think there's a difference between being the main man and being the only man. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I still think he's the main man of... Um, and you could tell by the production that he's given us even this year in a contract season. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's going out. He's giving us all. He's leading us with, with his goal scoring, his intensity. You know, like that. Like, we're not the same team with him. Can we be successful? Can we compete? Can we win win matches without him? Yes. Is it is it significantly harder? Yes. 
You know what I'm saying? So I, I get where D's coming from with that. We have way more um, talented players uh, around the, the squad this year and last year than in, in, in years past. So um, I, in a lot of ways, the burden is nice for Will. It has been in the past. But then Cream rises to the top. And regardless of that, like he's always going to be that high-quality player who stands out. So I still think he's the main man. I just don't think he's the only man. He doesn't have as much pressure um, as he did in prior years where he was just the only thing. Like teams go in and say, hey, just worry about him. Nobody else is going to hurt us. I don't think you can do that as much um, with us now compared to compared to, to the past. It's funny you mentioned that, T, and I think Pete will agree with this. Well, I've just said that the similarities between both clubs. You go back, before you know, 12 months even, you know, before the takeover, and Newcastle were in a similar boat. You stopped Alan Sam Maximum, and you're nine times out of ten stopped Newcastle. It's like you're saying there, if you stopped Zaha, you, you, used, to, you used to stop Palace. But obviously now both teams are getting, exactly. you know, important chess pieces around as well. So you can't, you know, obviously when we had Bruno came and we, as Newcastle fans, we were able to see straight away the amount of space that Maximam had on the wing because you couldn't double team him mm-hmm. all the time and stuff like that. So, you know, because you have that extra yep. quality on the park, it creates the space elsewhere. Um, so we're seeing that as Newcastle fans and, you know, you look at your Palace, you've got Eze, you've got Elise around them as well who are, you know, these are other people who are potential goal winning, you know, people for you, mm-hmm. their players for you. So it, it's it's mm-hmm. quite simple. You know, obviously, we've had a takeover that took us a bit more advanced than probably where Palace are, you know, recruitment-wise, should I say. But that doesn't mean you're still not going to have integral parts or similar mm-hmm. players in both squads. And it's we do see them like, match each other, as we, you know, as I've just said, you know, you, the recruitment side of things as well, so with players... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think uh, we, we we definitely we definitely be um, I say more uh, frugal or uh, fickle with some of our, our choices. You know, to make sure that we find the right guys for the right price. But you know, like you said, you know, it's just important like getting those guys, getting getting the right guys to to fit the the what you're trying to do as a team, and you know, getting those creative guys, those guys that are a threat. I mean, it was interesting because. In that Brewer game in particular, that was one of the first games I really got noticed the way that they played both of our wings, uh, with Zaha on one side and Alicia on the other side. Every time they touched it on the wing, they had three guys looking straight. They had the the fullback to that side, the center back to that side, and the the midfielder uh, looking at him from the inside. And it's like that's the type of attention that now Michael Alisa is getting on the opposite side that we've never had before in a lot of situations with, with Wilf when he's played in there. So it's made a huge difference for sure. How good is Michael Elise to you? Because for, for me, I watched him at Selhurst Park last season when, when Newcastle played uh, Palace and it was a 1-1 draw. And mm-hmm. um, I, mm-hmm. I, I always thought he was a good player, but watching him live and watching him up close... I couldn't believe how mm. good he was for the age he is. And, um, you know, since since that point, and that was kind of early on in the season, how has he developed as a player at Palace? And, and you know, how good is he now? It, you know, you're talking alongside him as, as a player that influences the game like Zaha. Is that the case? Uh, and and has, he got, has he got the ability yeah. to go beyond 
Zaha because of the fact he's only, what, 20, 21 years old. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I, I, the thing about Michael Lise that that is is so enticing is that he's he's good enough right now to a level to tribute at a at a high clip at this level, and he's only that age. You know, um, you know. I think looking at Wilf when Wilf was in this situation, you know, Wilf was playing this trade at a, at a lower level. You know what I mean? Um, like Lise is doing this in the prem and. He's got so much potential. You can see it. it he, just, he just reeks this ability to make the game look easy with the ball feet. Like, it just, it's just simple for him. You know, he's just a different class when it comes to, you know, comparatively, like, having a Jordan Ayu over there. When, when Michael Lise just has the ball, like, anything can happen as far as creating for others, creating for himself. Watching him in Brentford, you know, um, Brentford was his first Premier League start uh, of, this, of this season. Um, he started uh, in our cup match against Oxford and and, and played a, a good amount, but uh, this was his first Premier League uh, match, and he was rusty. You could see it, man. Rusty. And with him looking rusty, he was still one of the brightest players on the pitch. I mean, he had uh, one shot that 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 he curled and it hit off the post. He had another beautiful chance that 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 got saved. He had a, a, a great pass to Zaha that almost ended up in, in, in a, a shot on goal uh, for a possible chance. So he's got this ability about him that that makes him this 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 untapped. He's still raw. Like that's the thing about him. He's still young. He's still raw. Um, he's got to work on his body. He, he's, he's still a little bit frail, I guess you say. I mean, he, he he's a kid. You know what I'm saying? But and then he's got to work on his his, his weak foot. You know what I'm saying? Like once he gets to that point. Puts on some weight, gets gets better with on his right side because I think right now a lot of people expect him to go to that left foot a lot. Um, yeah. Class, I think, you know, I think this could be a, a great start for him if he if he continues on the track that he's going. But he's got to stay healthy too. He has struggling injuries. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he started out with us last year injured with his back, I believe, and then he started out this season injured with a foot injury. So. I think a big thing for him is he hasn't really had a preseason with us, a full preseason with us yet either. So um, I, I, I could shudder to think what he could be if he stays where he needs to be. Yeah. A full preseason is crucial. And, uh, you know, that kind of switches us nicely, really, to, to talk about one or two Newcastle players. Because, look, Rich, I'll come to you. Is that we were banking on Callum Wilson having a having a, a proper preseason, and he did. And we thought, you know what, we've got him. We've got him for the season. And and three games, three games in, he picks up a hamstring injury that puts him out for for a period of time. However, however, um, what we do have is in replacement and you know what I'm going to say to you as well you know you know who I'm going to bring up at this point we have brought in a fantastic replacement um in Alexander Isaac to come in when Callum Wilson is injured and and boy did he come in and make a difference uh for Newcastle United on Wednesday night um he was terrific and you know, here I think this was the goal that was ruled, ruled out the second goal. But yeah. his class and his quality was there for all to see. Um, he looks a real special player. Um, look, 
in your opinion, Richie, how good was his performance on Wednesday night and, and how, how much are you excited to see him on Saturday? I, I said it last night, I don't know, I was other short. Uh, for me, obviously, because we didn't get anything from the game, obviously, you know, for pretty much, for well, for 97 minutes of the game, we did anyway, should we say. We did get something from the game, but uh, I think on a personal level for himself, to have the goal that he scored, you know, he, he looked like he'd been training with the team for weeks and weeks. You know, he's been there for, since you know, the start of the season. Um, so to, for that to be off a few training sessions, so he doesn't really know the lads, he doesn't really know like the, the you know the wavelength possibly people are working on and stuff like that. But I think if you if you look at the way he's performed, both we might as well say it, both of his finishes were cool and collective finishes. Um, we we mentioned last night that you've got to remember that Allison is always is also one of the best one-on-one goalkeepers in world football. And to finish like that, so easy Thanks. past him, um, it was just phenomenal. Do you know what I mean? The, you know, he's the the press that he was using up front as well. His movement off the ball as well. Same as you can, you couldn't ask for a better debut bar getting something from the game as well. That was probably the only thing that ruined it being the perfect debut mm-hmm. for him. Uh, for, but I just thought he was absolutely immense, absolutely immense. Yeah, he really was. Like it, it was, it was so refreshing. To see a striker up top that had a little bit of everything, you know, I love Callum Wilson to bits. I think he's a proper, proper striker. I think he's the perfect backup that when Harry Kane's not fit for England, that you bring him on in a game and you give him the opportunity to produce his quality. He is that good. But Alexander Isak brings a different area of quality to his game. He has everything. He's big, tall. Uh, you know, we were talking to you off, off, offline before we started and you were talking about how he's quite slender. He's not He's not physically big, you know, but he's quite a skinny guy. And, and um, But actually what, what mm-hmm. I saw on Wednesday is regardless of his size in terms of not necessarily being big, he's actually quite strong on the ball. And he, you know, he was going toe to toe with with Van Dijk and Gomez at the back, and he was really giving them just as much as he was getting. And I really like that about him. But what he's got is blistering pace, blistering pace in and behind. His ability to press high is very, very yeah. good. And the amount of sprints he made in that game as a lone striker, I think, you know, I'd love to see the numbers on that because it was like it was like absolutely crazy. But in terms of what he gives to the team. The one area, and Richie, I don't know if you agree with this, the one area that I think he exceeds Callum Wilson is actually the fact that he can link the play because he's so good with the ball at his feet. Callum Wilson's good in and around the box. Mm. He knows where the goal is. He'll put the ball in the net. But what I found with Isaac is that the little one-touch passing, the little playing in triangles, he's able to do that because he's with quality on the board. He's a good passer. He's, he's good. Got, mm-hmm. He's got good control on the board. He's got good skill. He can beat players. That's the one thing I would say that Callum Wilson is lacking. Would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, I do. I think the, the main difference, if you look at Callum Wilson, obviously, we, he's, he's, we've always known he's fan. He's a fox in the box, as, he, as we, we call him over here in England. It's he's, you know, he's, he's look at his first goal of uh, the season against uh, Forest. That movement. To get in front of Newcastle, you know he's done it before uh, other seasons for Newcastle, and he's also when he's been at Bournemouth and stuff as well. You know the one thing that 
Callum Wilson. He, he's still an old, for me an old school centre forward. Um, you know he can come a bit shorter and hold the ball up. He, you know, he, he can win his fair share of aerial battles. But what you'll see is he'll hold that ball up and he'll start a move off. And he's a, he's the sort of striker who'll be there to finish the move off. Whereas as you as what you just said, Pete, you're right. Um, Isak can be involved at all different stages of the move. He could come deep, win the ball to hold it up, you know, relieve the defence, lay it off. But then, you know, not necessarily have to run straight towards the box. He could run out into space and then link it up again. It's, it's you know, he, he links up various different stages in that, in their half. Um, you know, and he can, he can supply the assists as well. He doesn't, it's not all about, you know, cre- you know, being in the box for the finish like Wilson has to be. He's got the movement, to, you know, to drag people out as well. You know, the amount of times we saw on, you know, both, of, if you look at both of his finishes, really, one's down the left channel and one's down the right channel, realistically. There's nothing in that middle bit of the pitch, really. You know, even if the, the, his first goal, you know, yes, it's slightly to the right of, of central of the goal, but it's just, just to the, you know, just the, the far left of the inside right channel. So he can run all the channels as well. So it goes to show how versatile a player he is that. He's not just a replacement for Callum Wilson. He's also someone who could play with Callum Wilson as well. So it gives, you know, Eddie Howe plenty of options how he wants to line him up. Um, so it's not necessarily saying he's coming to usurp Wilson. It's you know, I think, you know if, he, if he wants to keep the same formation, I'd probably say that there's not going to be many times that your, re- your club record signings are ever going to be second choice to Callum Wilson. It might be a game set up slightly different to the opponent. So you might prefer it, but it's very, very, very going to have that. We, we heard with from Sven Botney the day. There's going to be times when he has to sit on the bench. You might not like it, but he'll accept it because obviously it's you know there's different opponents and the coach might see different things for that. But I was just thinking there, you know, you were talking about Isak and um, Van Dyke on Wednesday night and how good a, you know they were in the battles and tussles together. Can you imagine being on Newcastle training ground on a day to day basis and see Sven Botman? And Alexander Isak's going head to head every single, you know, two guys at the start of their careers. You know, like they're both both twenty two, are they right, Pete? Yeah, um, yeah. So that they're, they're going to grow at the same time with the club. So their battles in training is it's going to do wonders for both of them. Their careers for up, not just for the club, but we're talking like their international futures and you know what Newcastle can do achievement wise going forward as well. Do you know what I mean? It could. You'd have two class play, world class players like that battling each other on a day to day basis can only be fantastic for Newcastle United. I'd be worried if those two were up against each other in training. I'd be saying no, put them, <laughs> put them, put them on the same team. I don't want them injuring each other. I don't want, I don't want Alexander Isak stretching Botman to the point where he pulls a hamstring, and I wouldn't want Botman mm. cleaning Isak out to make sure that he's. It is injured. That's the last thing I, I, I wouldn't want. But look, look, uh, yes. T, you you were talking about Isaac before we came on. I know that you kind of, you know, you were you're watching him as a player and and you like what you saw. You know, uh, it, it, let's be honest. Like, is he a player that worries you going into the game tomorrow? Is he the main guy that you're worried about, or or are there one or two others? I mean, if you if if you want to call a spade a spade, how do you how are you not worried about a guy like that, man? Like, we're talking about a kid who, at I think like seven, the age of seventeen, was compared to Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Yeah. Like, 
what we're talking about. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That that's how good this kid. That's how knew how good they knew he was going to be. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he he's been at at, at some some premier clubs prior to coming to Newcastle with Dortmund and Real Sociedad. So he's so he's played at a high level since a teenager. You know what I mean? So I I think his transition to the Premier League is about as smooth as you would think it would be because he's pretty much he's has the the, the experience a lot of season really, man. So yeah, he's definitely a guy that you is he the only one? Absolutely not. Because Newcastle is a good team. They got a good squad. I mean, now depending on like what we talked about earlier, you know, depending on some of the injury situations, there may be some guys that we may not have to deal with. Who knows? You know, that's just the truth. But, you know, I mean, when you're going to be, and I think that's a big part of Premier League this year is that you can see from the uh, the transfer window, the level of level of play is, is going up in, in the Premier League, man. You got, you got a newly promoted team that just went out and, and, and signed, what, 22 players, man? And dropped almost $200 million? Like, what, what are we talking about? So I think, it, I, I think it's, a, it's, it's a testament to the, the Premier League, the level of play that, that you're seeing week in and week out. There are no games, you know? So I think when you go into a match like this, you're about some of the, 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 the guy that can score goals on you, the Esox, the – the same Maximans. Lord, Lord help me if Almiron scores another goal against us tomorrow. <laughs> like, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, but Miguel Almiron love game against us. That's a goal against Palo. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens, man. But no, I think it's uh I think it's definitely gotta be a um uh an overall overarching effort. Now I think Vieira is smart enough to know that that it's not just about one guy uh, with the team because you all you all have a talented squad with, with a lot of guys that have really really good quality. No, definitely, and uh, there's already there's already a few chants going on in the in the chat. Chris has already started it. The old Simon's finished it off uh, quite nicely. Chris, what I want to know. Um, and you'll be able to answer this because you're in the away end at Anfield on Wednesday. Was that chant sang in the away end, and how often was it was it sung? Because um, I cannot wait to be in the away end um, very soon to be singing that song uh, for Alexander Isaac. So make sure you you put in the chat whether it was regularly sang um, on the game the game at Anfield. That that is for sure. But look, Alexander Isaac, I think everyone's got that anticipation and excitement about watching him. He's been the talk of everything on the back of that game at Anfield with the pundits, with the media, with, you know, opposition like yourself, with with everybody in the Newcastle United fan base. He's, he's a really exciting talent and, you know, we're, we're, we're super happy to to have him there. But um, you touched on the likes of Alan Sitt-Maximum and Bruno Gamerez. Um, I'm not sure what the situation is. With Bruno Gamerez um, uh, and Anderson Maximin, as far as um, Eddie Howe um, said, it, it's going to be a, a case of sort of touch and go with those two players. Uh, we're not sure if they're going to be fit. Um, it might well be a late decision uh, on those two players. Richie, if 
it was a touch and go situation, would you be the one to kind of say, yep, let's get them in, let's risk it for the game at Palace? Or would you kind of say, you know what, let's wait and hold it out and give it another week until the game at, um, at West Ham? Do you know what I think? We were talking about the uh, the stretch of games that Newcastle have got coming up. Uh, like the next seven are pretty much all very winnable um, by Newcastle standards. And it's uh, these are the ones we should be looking to win. However, um, you look at, I think, all, and I'm not just saying this from my own point of view, I think there's a lot of Newcastle's thought as well. When we saw the team on Wednesday night, we didn't give much hope. And hell, the, the, the one. You know, a glint of hope we had was that Isak was on the was start and the fact that obviously Bruno was missing and Sam Maxwell was missing, Wilson was missing. Um, and we were just thinking, if we get anything from this, it's a godsend. And you know what? We nearly did. Um, and I don't think you could fault any of the players that played on Wednesday night. It shows that the team is actually stronger depth-wise than uh, we've ever been in a long time. Yeah. Obviously, it also highlighted the fact that beyond when that depth comes in, you have to make your substitutions. That depth's not that deep, if that makes sense as well. Um, you know, it still needs these extra replacements, and that's what will happen when you get to January uh, and next summer to replace those sort of you know quality players that we need in there as well. Um, but you know, as we mentioned, I think we've got a, probably a good 16, 17 players who are really good quality players. For me, that if they were say ninety percent fit, I'd probably put them on the bench at best. Um, if, unless they're a hundred percent fit, I wouldn't risk it. At the end, you know, I, I would hate them. How many times have we seen people come back slightly a little bit too early, and then obviously they're out even longer? It's happened with Callum Wilson before, as a prime example. Is it worth it mm-hmm. just because you know you're at home? And for, for me, I would rather say um, play a slightly weaker team at home than it would be if you're away. Because obviously, I, th- I would. And this is no disrespect to T here in Crystal Palace. I think possibly West Ham away next week is a slightly tougher game for us because obviously Newcastle and St James's Park at the minute, uh, it's an absolute fortress. Uh, it's going back to how it was under Kevin Keegan, how it was under Sir Bobby Robson. It's a, just a complete different animal now to the level that it, it you know it's, it's levels better than what I've just mentioned from the entertainer days and uh, Sir Bobby Robson days. And Pete, you, you you know that as well. You've been in the crowd on the same many of the same games I've been there as well. Uh, it's just been a different, it's a different beast now. So, and if you look at the, the the points that we've earned in the Premier League at home since Eddie Howe's taken over, especially this calendar year, you know, there's, there's only Man City, Liverpool that took maximum points off us, and Watford who got a very very late draw in, in the the first home game of this calendar year. Everybody else that's come to St James's Park so far has been beaten. So. You know, obviously, I forget about Man City the other week as well, but obviously, that was they took, they took, we got a point off them, so we did better than we did last season. So we've, we've progressed again on that. So Newcastle is a fortress now. So I would rather have a slightly weaker team going in, you know, not having, say, for example, I have a feeling that Bruno could be back, but I think they might not risk Sam Maxima. Uh, you know, he might make the bench. I don't think they might start if there's any, any like inkling of the clues that the, the club have given us during the week on. How the recovery's gone. You know, we saw at the start of the week, Bruno, how we mentioned it briefly last night, had the oxygen tank on the mask and in the recovery chamber. And then Sam Maxim had it on Thursday. So you start, you wonder if that Bruno's slightly ahead of Sam Maximum on that front. So yeah. I, I think there's more chance of Bruno starting than, than Sam Maxim. If both make it, and the, you know, Eddie's thinks they're, 
hundred percent a good to go. Fantastic, you know what I mean? That's that's great. But I, I think probably Bruno's the one just to the head. And as uh, Ryan Fraser highlighted the other night when he came on, uh, he when he played the game against Saudi Liverpool, and when he came on at Wolves as well, he's a more than adequate uh, standing from. Um, obviously, I wouldn't say he's a long term. He doesn't got the long term effects that uh, Alan Sam Maxman can create in the game. I don't. To be fair, I don't think as many people in the Premier League can do what Alan Sam Maxman can do on his day, as we saw against Man City the other week. That was probably his best ever game in a Man United uh, Man black and white shirt. Sorry. Uh, but Ryan Fraser, you'll always know you'll get a hundred percent, and he's got good quality with it, with it, um, compared to other players who play in that position for Newcastle. So for me, because we're at home, and if we with the twelfth man that St James's Park crowd can be, I'd be more concerned of having a fuller strength team against West Ham than Palace. Just a quick one, uh, just before we move on, because um, I've, uh, I've got a couple of more questions for T. Um, do you think we need Bruno to be playing on Saturday? Do you think he will give the Newcastle players and the fans the lift? Um, and do we need that lift going into the game against Palace? That was for you, Richie. Was it? I thought it was for T. Sorry. Yeah, no, so no, like, no, I, no, I, I, I was thinking the Is it for me? <laughs> Yeah, no, 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 you know, not necessarily because I think the crowd will already be lifted with the fact that Alexander's he's actually on his home debut, so I don't think you'd need the crowd boost on that front. I think it would make the crowd be a little bit more relaxed, possibly potentially if Bruno's there. But if you look at how hard that uh Joel Linton, um, Willock and Longstaff played on Wednesday, the only thing I would would, would think about that fact is if, if you're starting with those three is. Has the last two games took it out of them? Because Monday night, so it went um, Wednesday night. You were talking ninety-eight minutes of hard graft, hard press. That's a lot, and it depends on whether there's going to have that turnaround. Because obviously, Eddie Howe's already mentioned we, we've had, you know, since we played Man City, then we went away to Tranmere. We've had the three away games, obviously the cup game, then we had Wolves, and then we've obviously had Liverpool. Liverpool had a day, day's extra rest, so we knew it was going to be a hard game uh, on that sort of front. So I'd like to see Bruno back uh, because obviously it just helps keep that freshness in the midfield as such, if that makes sense. Uh, I think if all three of them were there, you know, you, you, you'll know yourself, Pete, that it's all about game management sometimes. Sometimes, you know, like with... Bruno can play in various different positions in that centre midfield. We've discussed this on numerous times. If, say, for example, you need, we were on the attack more and you just want to just to have a little, you know, a, I suppose what you can call it, a couple of minute breathers during the game, you can rotate that midfield around just to allow for that. So, say, for example, if I expect the way that Newcastle have been playing with stats and stuff this year, we may we'll probably have a lot more possession than we, than we used to have in previous seasons against Palace. Uh, where you know we'd probably try to hit them on the break. You'll, you'll probably see Newcastle dominate the game a lot more tomorrow. So that means that we can obviously, if they're chasing the ball, it might work in our favour. That we always know the team that's chasing the ball more has to do a lot more 
a lot more running, tiring out. So that might that game sort of game management on that level might be able to help those three midfielders because we know that the the graph that they've put in over the last few weeks has you know has, has been second to none really. Definitely, and you know what, I I, I I just want to touch on this because I think it's a really good point. Um, um, would I um has put a good point in is put will it look absolutely dead on his feet on Wednesday? Um, 110% given and, and actually you know Willock has played in every game you know recently and, and, and it feeds into what you've just been saying and and actually I had a conversation with someone um, uh, this evening and actually uh, they were saying that they thought that Willock wouldn't start on Saturday if Bruno was fit to give him a rest. They thought that, uh, that Longstaff would start on the back of that. And I was like, no, nah, Willock needs to play. But actually, the points that you've raised and would I making that point, um, you know, about Willock and he, he looked absolutely shattered. He covered every blade of grass on Wednesday. But yeah. he's been doing that Wednesday. Did it again at Molyneux on Sunday the, previously. He did it again because he started against Tranmere. You know, he's played so many minutes and it's going to be it's going to be a tough one. I mean, you know, talking about that Bruno situation, you know, Wood Eyes also said, wouldn't take any risk with players' fitness. Uh, there's a lot of games until um, the next window. Um, which yeah. is which is absolutely uh, you know I I I respect that opinion. Seng's gone. No, we need Bruno in all games. He needs to play every game, and you're not wrong there as well. It's Do you really- know what? I, I I agree. Ideally, you would, but I think when it's injuries and recoveries, it's just that's when you've just got to be that little bit careful. Definitely, like um, yeah, T's just said, he's like, get him out there, you know, pass him, <laughs> get him out there, just, just hey, let him I do mean- his look. We we love that. We, we would love that. But obviously, you know, it is a difficult. It's, it's a different season for us as well as Palace in that we're we're in a season where we're going to be playing a lot of Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, or Sunday matches because of the fact that well, the World Cup impacts the season. So it is going to have a massive impact on players more than any any season before. But I think what you, I want- your point is about the injuries as well, Peter. Before you move on to the next question. Yeah. You've got to look at since pre-season how many Newcastle players are already struggling with hamstring injuries. Luckily, not you know apart from the, the Shelby one, drastic one. It seems to be slight strains rather than actual pulls. So, and we know that Eddie Howe said that his teams are going out on the pitch and they're delivering everything he's asking for. Um, they're going out and the, the press is there, the, the energy levels there, and they they are pushing the players to their limits. And we know we're one of the fittest teams in the Premier League, but we've also got to be just a little bit careful because obviously this is like, if you look, there's obviously Shelby, Wilson, Sam Maxwell and Bruno now in the space of the first four weeks, four games of the season have all had hamstring issues. Mm-hmm. And obviously we, we, we look, you can even mention uh, Trippier. You know, he held his a little bit at the Wolves game as well. Uh, when he took that corner, that was probably more of like an action for actually the kick itself rather than and pulling it in a run. But it just highlights how careful we need to be with these players this season. No, I, I would agree with you one hundred percent. I just want to switch back to I want to switch back to Palace just before we we move on to a different section. And you know, I don't think we've talked about this enough. And the reason why I'm saying this is because I'm quite passionate on this. I don't rate Frank Lampard as a manager. I don't rate him as a manager at, at Everton. 
I don't think he's a good manager. And I, I second that. <laughs> yeah, 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 you know, I'm glad you agree with that. He, he hasn't he hasn't proved himself as a top-level manager yet. I don't even think he's Premier League level, in my opinion. That's just my opinion, though. Um, Steven Gerrard, yes, he, he won the Scottish division, but I'm not being funny. Me, T... And Richie, we could win the Scottish division, uh, um, you know, if we were manager of Rangers. Um, I might be being a little bit disrespectful to Scottish football, but I don't care. Um, I think we could, um, uh, if we were managers of Rangers, but, um, so, so that, that that doesn't impress me. And you know, he's got a worse um, he's got a worse win record than uh, Gary Neville who was absolutely shocking at Valencia um, when he was manager. Um, so, you know, they seem to be bigged up quite a lot. But your manager, T, in Patrick Vieira, another mm-hmm. former player, do you think he gets the accolades that he deserves with the job that he's done at Palace? Because I'll be honest, I don't think he does. And I just want, I want you to have an opinion on that and I just want you to assess what he's done at, at, at your club. I, I think uh I think honestly, I think uh I think Patrick gets a lot of love from our fan base, from the people in and around the club. Uh he gets a lot of love. Um and I think it's I think it's rightfully so. I mean he's he's come in and done some amazing things. I mean, nobody expected us to to do what we did last season with the amount of change that we had within our spot, you know. Um I mean, I remember read so many articles um, putting us, you know, in the relegation battle to start the season last year, and to to go through an entire season and never even be in the conversation uh, for that. Um, but then at times to even be pushing top ten, um, like we were at, at times during the season, he's done some amazing things. Um, I don't know. I, I think some some of the times why. People don't give him his flowers, uh, so to speak. The the way that 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 he, like you said, he may deserve is just the fact that you know people say, "Oh, he's unproven too." You know, uh, he well, has he done? But at the same time, he he done some significant things because he took Nice to the Champions League. Like, let's not overshadow some of the things that he's done in his career. But um, I, I think he's been great uh, so far. I have him as our manager. I back him 110%. So, um, I don't know. I think it's one of those things that, you know, I think the, the more the, the more we progress in, 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 as a club, man, I think people start seeing him for what he is. And I wouldn't be surprised if sooner or later you start hearing about the fact that, you know, bigger clubs, whether it be here in England or other places, might have interest in them to be honest. It's funny T mentions this. Are you going to sit about Adam's comment here? You go for it, mate. You go for it. Adam actually points here. He actually thinks that Vieira could potentially replace Pep at Man City when he leaves. Yep. I heard that that at the end of last season. Do you know what I think? (laughs) I think the the interesting thing is if you look at that, obviously, um, Gerard and Villa and obviously Lampard at Evan. You know, they're classed as, I think, if you, in the in old school eyes, they're classed as part of the original Premier League teams, you know, the, the you know, traditional clubs and stuff like that. And Palace are probably coming into that sort of thing at that stage mm-hmm. now, you know, like a seasoned Premier League type team. But you're right, no one gets talked about as much, if you ever doesn't get talked about as much, in my opinion, that you, you should, because 
is you know we talked about the realistic of the last few years. Palace have really only had Zaha is that focal point. You know, I was going to mention before. Must this is something that you might be able to bring up here, or you might have discussed already that I wanted to know how they've coped so far in the centre of the park, having not having Gallagher this season because obviously he was integral to part of what Palace was last year. Um, mm-hmm. So obviously you look at that, and then you look yeah. at all the money that Villa and Everton have spent. And they, you know, Lampard and uh, Gerard can't get a tune out of any of the players. As Pete mentioned, the win records of both managers are absolutely dismal. You know, this if it wasn't for their their name themselves, as in Lampard and and Gerard, would these other would these uh, uh, boards have actually backed them as much as they have? You know, if it was a Steve a Bruce point. who had that sort of record, would he be on his out his ear? Or do you know what I mean? I think this is you know just because you were a good player doesn't necessarily mean you're a good uh, a good manager. You can be a good manager. You've got, no, if you're an excellent pl- if you're an excellent player, you've got to be an outstanding coach because it's you've got so much pressure because of your playing days. If you are to go down that front, you know we've as Pete mentioned, Gary Neville didn't do it at this moment in time. Gerrard's done it at Rangers. Uh, Lampard did it a little bit at Derby that one season, but apart from that. That haven't been a success as a manager. Whereas, as you said yourself, T, Vieira took an unfancied Nice team with the Champions League. Uh, obviously, he didn't get on very well with our uh, our our friend Alan Sal Maxima. Um, but you know that he mm-hmm. built a team around that got them to uh, the Champions League, and he's doing a really good job with Crystal Palace. Uh, and no disrespect, T, I, I could see other teams possibly looking at him as a replacement, like a big signal. Say, for example, if Arsenal. Hadn't to start the season the way they've done, you know, they had an up and down season, just missed out the Champions League. You know, we put the final nail in the coffin mm-hmm. for that last year when they came to Newcastle last year. They could be looking at people like Patrick Vieira to think, Do you know, what? look at what he's done it down the road at Palace. He'd be perfect. The fans mm-hmm. would love him. You know, the same at Man City. You know, he played there briefly at the end of his career, not to the same level as he was at Arsenal. But I think he's got a much more promising managerial career in front of him the next 10, 15 years or so than what the other two have. Yeah, I agree. It's like it's like one of those things, man. Like uh, nobody wants like it's it's like your, your girlfriend or your wife, man. Nobody wants the the lady that nobody nobody wants. You know what I mean? So I think he said a lot. Like it's 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 a compliment to have a a manager that that other clubs would 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 consider um in those roles. That means he's doing something good. That means that means that your club is doing good. You know what I mean? So um, I, it's it's a, it's one of the realistic things. It's just I hope that you know with what the the progress that made and that will continue to make. I just hope that he'll want to stick around a little bit longer. I think the other interesting comparison, just before we move on, Pete, is that you look at when Newcastle were going through the recruitment stage of hiring the new manager last year after the takeover. And there was a lot of people going, oh, you've got to look at, like, uh, Gerrard and stuff. Why, why haven't we looked at them and stuff like that? There's a lot of Newcastle fans now. And, you know, even when you look at the, even some of the pundits were going, why did they not look at Gerrard? Why did they not look at Lampard? Eddie Howe's not this fancy man. All he's done is he's got Bournemouth relegated. You know, they didn't sit there and do, a pro, like, a programme like we did, Pete, about adding Eddie Howe, how well he'd come in from League Two. The, you know, everything that was adverse in his managerial career at League Two and how he got all the way to the Premier League and stuff like that. And the one thing that everybody remembered was his relegation to Bournemouth. Yeah. And everyone's now potentially yep. tipping him. Yep. Everyone's now yep. potent, you know, potentially tipping him. And obviously, you know, touch wood, it doesn't happen. 
potentially talking them as you know the the next England manager along with Graham Potter because of how well that both of them are. I'm not trying to say it, touch one, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen, Pete. No, 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 no. We don't want him leaving us yet. No way. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't think he would. I don't think he would. No, I, I don't. Uh, being honest, and a lot of people outside of Newcastle United. Uh, and our fan base would, would say, "Oh, that's mad! Why, 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 why wouldn't he take the England job?" I don't think he would because I want to. I, I believe he wants to see this job through. This job could potentially make his career if he can take us to to, to the upper echelons of the Premier League and better yet, win a trophy for Newcastle United. For me, that would eclipse anything that he could possibly achieve. Um, Not just that, though, Pete. You've also got to remember he's, he's still in the early stage of his manager. He's only 44 years old. He's yeah. not going to be... He wants to be on that training pitch every day. He doesn't want to be doing it once every four weeks or however long when the national break is on. He want, He's a bit like... You look at Mourinho. Mourinho's about, what, late 50s now, I think. And even he still classes himself as too young to be the Portuguese national yeah. coach because he likes the, the day-to-day stuff for things. So... You know, and I, I think it'll be a long, long time, but it's nice to have people talking and the, all of a sudden Eddie Howe's getting that respect as a coach that he wasn't when everyone we were doing all the hiring and firing and stuff like that. Oh, definitely. But it's but you know, going back to the point, you know, Eddie Howe is that manager that 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 he's that obviously we're proud of, but it's very, very clear that from what he's saying that you're very, very proud of Patrick Vieira being your manager at Crystal Palace, and rightly so. You know, I, I don't think we even mentioned this, but Patrick Vieira was was one of the top of the list that that we that we went for. I don't know if you mentioned that already, Rich. No, I didn't know. Under the previous ownership, we went for. Patrick Vieira, and then we ended up with Steve Bruce. So that, 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 that went from with top rung in terms of Patrick Vieira. I did not know that. Huh. Yeah. He, 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 um, but both, to be fair, both Patrick Vieira and Mikel Arteta turned us down when we made approaches for him. Well, once Rafa Benitez left the club, they were the two at the top of the list that we wanted to take over the club. And rightly... Both of them rejected the club at that point in time because I don't think there's any manager in their right in their right mind would want to work under Mike Ashley. So I think for their own careers they made the best decision. But it would have been great to have those managers to be able to do what they've done at Palace and Arsenal respectively to have those managers doing it at Newcastle. But look, I wouldn't change it for the world. We've got our we've got our new owners and we've got Eddie Howe and, and Richie. You made a really good point. If anyone's not watched the how handover that we that we did as a show with, with one of the Bournemouth um, podcasts um way back when I think it was November last year. Yeah November last year yeah go back and watch that because the way in which they talked about Eddie Howe really gave us that encouragement that he could do something great at Newcastle United and boy has he done that and he's still in that process of doing that right now. Um I didn't know whether what... they wanted to touch on that mm-hmm. Conor Gallagher stuff while we were talking about but I brought it up before because so I don't know whether you discussed Ooh. it or not but I just wanted to know how how have both seasons like um uh, compared with obviously having Conor Gallagher be the and then you know integral cog in that machine last year for Palace and not having them this year and obviously, with not having them there uh, this season, how's Patrick Vieira tactically changed Palace as a setup this season? Mm-hmm. So, in in, in all honesty, the setup is very similar. Um, except now, seeing more of Eze, uh 
integrated into things. I mean, he's, 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 he started every match this season. Comparatively, uh, I think he only played in 16 matches total last season, and only a handful of those were starts. But um, I think the biggest difference is um, there's a lot more onus put on to, to Eze when it comes to um, playmaking, ball carrying, things like that. Jeff Schlucks is the one that, that tries to portray more of the Connor Gallagher role that we had last year. Um, and it's interesting because I, I saw an article that, that was out in the Athletic and they were talking about uh, examining players across the the, the, the big European um, leagues and basically giving a comparison between them and who basically emulates Connor's play and role the most. And they did it like based on finish. So come to find out the person emulates his style of play the most is just luck. Like ninety-seven percent likeness. It's kind of crazy. Uh, Schlup Schlup doesn't um, Schlup doesn't ha- it isn't isn't as good uh, with pressuring uh, and and ball recovery as uh, Gallagher was, but he's better with carrying. Um, and he's not, of course, not as good with goal scoring. But it was just interesting to see that because you know all we need to go get another fielder to do the Connor Gallagher role. But it was just interesting to see that. The one that emulates it the best is the dude that we already have, statistically at least, um, statistically speaking. But um, I think you know it's it's similar, but it's different um, for us at this point in the midfield, and it's uh, it's it's not the same intense high press um, that we saw with with uh, Kyle Gallagher. Uh, but it's it's similar. I think we do a better job holding on to the ball. Now, um, with with having uh, Eze in there, um, game in and game out. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Right. Um, look, um, I I don't know how long we've got with you, T. I don't know if you're okay for another fifteen minutes or so. Um, I got another five, another five, maybe. Another five yeah. minutes. That's absolutely fine because uh, what I want to do. Is before you go, uh, I want to make sure um, we get mm-hmm. some stats in. And there's only one way we get some stats yeah, in. Cool. And it's with our um, stat man. The graphics are too much, man. The graphics are next level. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, dude. I love it. I love it. That's, Pete, that, Pete and Richie, that's three great reactions for three <laughs> shows running for Daz, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Oh, this. Daz needs to cut it. these bad boys. Honestly, it. T, T, what we do is that we wait for every guest to come on and see their reaction to that vid every week. And you'll be the third, the third guy that's reacted to that. I love it. I love it. And the, the, the best part about it is you play you play the montage and then Keith is there. And it's like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> We've missed a trick. We need entrances for everybody on the I, <laughs> I love it. 
I love it. But look, as always, like magic, Keith appears. Statman Keith, it's a pleasure to have you on, as always, as part of the team. Uh, look, I know you've got some stats for us, and I want to get some stats in before um, we get our predictions before um, T leaves us. So uh, what have you got for us today with some, uh, some, some stats for the game against Palace? Yeah, I've got quite a few tonight for um, Crystal Palace. And I've got, got, got some head-to-head stats. Then I've got a few stats on the managers, some stats on the individual players, and then a little bit general stats. So just going on the general head-to-head between Newcastle and Crystal Palace, all-time record, Newcastle have got the advantage there with 29 wins, 10 draws against 12 losses in 51 games. Head-to-head in the Premier League as well, slight advantage to Newcastle, 11 wins compared to five for Crystal Palace and six draws. Again, very minor advantage here though. Slightly more goals for Newcastle against uh, Crystal Palace, 27 compared to 20. And the defensive record as well, 11 clean sheets for Newcastle compared to four clean sheets for Crystal Palace in this Premier League fixture. The managers, now this one surprised me a bit, Eddie Howe. It's a bit indifferent, the record against Crystal Palace, against games he's managed against Crystal Palace. 14 games with four wins, four draws and six defeats. Um, now this one about Patrick Vieira, Crystal Palace have only won four of 21 Premier League away games uh, under Patrick Vieira, four draws, uh, sorry, four wins, eight draws and nine defeats. They've been more solid at Selhurst Park. Um, I think they had eight wins and seven draws last year with four uh, defeats, but away from home, the 21 away, uh, away games, only four wins there for Crystal Palace. Now, Wilfred Zaha, I wanted to speak about this man here because Wilfred Zaha has 13 goals in 20 Premier League games in 2022. Now, that's the best return for him in a Premier League in the calendar year. And only Harry Kane with 17 goals and Song Hung Ming with 15 goals have scored more this calendar year than uh, Wilfred Zaha. Um, now, Alexander Isaac, getting back to Newcastle. Now, if he scores tomorrow, that he'll become only the second player to score in the Premier League for Newcastle for his first two games. Question to you guys, who was the last guy who did it in his first two games for Newcastle? Who scored in his first two games for Newcastle? Remy? Rich? Do you know what I was trying to think? Uh, First two games for Newcastle. Oh, no, I don't think it is low Remy. I don't think it is low Remy. Um, Any ideas at all? Want to take a punt? Just take a punt. First, Denver Bar? No. Was it not Papa Sissi? Yeah, very Papa good. Sissi. Very good guesses for you both. Uh, you want to have a little guess, uh, T? Tell you what, be shocked if he gets it over us. Like, no, <laughs> we need to we need to pack up and go home if that's the case. Okay, 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 okay. Here we go, here we go, here we go. go. Shine the dark, shine the dark, shine the dark. Andy Carroll. Good guesses, guys, but I'm afraid it was Sir Les Ferdinand back in '95, '96. Oh, wow. 
Remember that run he had at the start of the season? Yeah, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Isn't it? Oh, yeah. he scored against yeah. didn't he? Shout out to Les Ferdinand. He scored against Coventry. Was that yeah. Coventry's first game? Score, where, yeah, where he, he had an amazing, amazing run, amazing run. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday, that amazing run that year yeah. uh, for his first games. The defenders for uh, Newcastle, the best defenders, getting back to the stats there. Fabian Shaw and Dan Byrne are the best defenders for Newcastle. Um, Shaw's got an average of 3.8 clearances per game, winning about 61 aerial duels. And Dan Byrne, he's got an aerial winning dual rate of 78%, whereas Joel Ward, Joel Ward um, is the leading one for Crystal Palace. He's got 82% success rate in aerial duels. A couple of general stats to finish off. Newcastle have um, only lost, and Richie touched on this earlier, only lost one of 12 Premier League games at St. James's Park in a run that goes back to December against Man City, with that one defeat coming against Liverpool. So, Getting really strong again at St James's Park, like the good old days. Um, if Newcastle lose, uh, or sorry, don't lose against Crystal Palace, it'll be the first time in ten years that they've been unbeaten in the first three Premier League games in the uh, season at home. Ooh. However, if Eddie Howe doesn't win tomorrow's game, so if it's a draw or, or worse, it'll equal his longest his, his longest winless streak. Um, of five games um, so far, and there you have. Now, he has a, a little downer. I'm sorry to, to do this, but a little downer here on Crystal Palace. <laughs> no, he's not. Crystal <laughs> Palace have dropped <laughs> 10 points from leading winning positions in, in seven um, Premier League games in the last seven Premier League games. Pete, Rich, we know what this is like last season in the first half for Newcastle dropping points, so we can empathise there. Mm-hmm. Palace have also dropped seven points um, after going in front this season um, and they fail to win any of the, the three games that they've scored first. Um, wow. and a final start about Newcastle. Um, in this fixture, since going back to 2014, um, Newcastle have um, scored more than one goal in only one of the 13 Premier League games against Crystal Palace. So not many goals in this fixture going back to 2014. And that rounds off the stats. Mm, that might change that might that might change my prediction there. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But no, look, as always, um Keith double O Stato, absolutely spot on with your stats. On point as always. Yeah. No, there's no better um, stat man out there. Uh, that is for sure. But look, I know time is tight. Look, team, we'd have loved to add another 15 minutes with you, but you've been with us for an hour and five minutes. I really, really yeah. appreciate it. Um, to take your time. Yeah, my, been my pleasure. Look, just, just, just before you go, because um, we're gonna, we're gonna continue and we're gonna talk a little bit of tactics. Uh, with regards to the game and how it's going to unfold from mm. our perspective, but just before you go, what mm. are your what what is your prediction come five o'clock English time uh, on Saturday when the game ends? What do you think the score is going to be? Well, as 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 Crystal Palace fans, uh, we know that it is tough. Go okay, so I'm gonna get a win. Uh, St. James Park is a place to, to play. It's a, it's a long trip. Um, 
And as as Keith railed off, you know, the the stats have shown that it's it's it's, it's tough to come by those wins up there. Um, I do think that uh, we'll be able to to pull a point. I think uh, I think based on his stats and and the lack thereof of goals, I'm going to go with one one. All right. Interesting. Hey, interesting. Very very interesting. But um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not gonna get. But then he said that the, when, when he came up, when he came with the gold stat, I was like, oh, okay, well, let me let me, uh, let me alter that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I, the no. one I, I think the one thing to touch on with that T though is Newcastle haven't been this good a squad probably in the last what 15 years, Pete Keith. So yeah. and we've never had any goals in the team in that 15 years. So we've got goals in the team now. Finally. Yeah, and I, I think we had, and you know what? I think we had this. Honestly, we had the same issue. You know, we, we only yeah, had one. Yeah. A lot of times, we only had one guy that's gonna get us a goal. <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> no, I would. No, I respect that. But look, regardless of that, I think it's gonna be a real interesting game. I think it's gonna be a tactical game. I think mm-hmm. both Patrick Vieira and Eddie Howe are very, uh, very tactical managers. Um, very good managers. I think it's gonna be a good battle. Um, and you know what? I've got to be honest. I've got a lot of respect for Crystal Palace. I, I like Crystal Palace as a club. I like your fan base. I like your atmosphere that you create in your in your stadium. Um, you, you're certainly a lot better than Liverpool. Let's put it that way. Uh, you know, forget Liverpool. I don't care about them at the moment. But Palace, <laughs> massive, no, no respect for Liverpool. Massive respect for Crystal Palace. <laughs> that, that's all I've got to say. Word, word, word. But, but T, I'm going to let you right. go because like, you, you, you've, you've been amazing for us. Look, we're going to have you back, no doubt, um, in the return fixture when we come to Sellers Park later on in the season. We'll get you back on and we'll get you talking all things Crystal Palace again. But um, uh, for now, we'll let you go. Massive thanks to you for coming on. You take care, my man. Absolutely, man. Thank you all so much. I appreciate it. Looking forward to uh, talking with you guys. Later on. All right. Cheers, T. All the best apart from our afternoon. Take care. Brilliant to have uh, T on. Massive, massive thanks for him to coming on. Um, look, he's come over all the way over from the States. Um, the time difference is slightly different. Um, he, he's, he, he's, um, he, he's been brilliant um, uh, with, with, with some of his opinions. And you know what? What I love about what I love about our away day guests is that this, you know, they're all really, really respectful about Newcastle United. They know their football. They're not coming on and just spouting a load of rubbish to to wind the other fan base up. They know their stuff. They're respectful, and we have a really good conversation with them. And 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 I love that about away days. It is brilliant. So um, great to have T on. Uh, from back of the nest, and I'm, I'm sure we'll we'll have him back. But um, what I wanted to do now, guys, is uh, obviously we'd love T to have his opinion from a Palace perspective. But what I wanted to do is is just talk a little bit of tactics, really, about the game. And um, I I did ask T for his predicted lineup um, before the game started. So hopefully you can see that on the screen. Um, that, that's that, that's there. Can, can you guys see that? Yeah, can yeah. yeah. So T gave his, his predicted lineup with regards to Crystal Palace. So um, they're looking at a four-three-three, very similar to Newcastle United, um, and it, he's got his team set out there. Um, how he thinks it's going to be set up uh, um, on Saturday, and it's very, very interesting. Now I've gone for this Newcastle United team. Now it'll be interesting to see whether you guys think it's going to be slightly different or or not. 
Now, I'm sure that this man will be a topic of conversation because we've already talked about him tonight. I've gone with Willick. I've gone, you know what? Let's get Willick in the team. You know, he's done three games on the bounce. I'm sure he can do four um, and and work his socks off for the team. He'll have a week's rest after this. But I've gone with Bruno Gamares back in midfield. I think that he might be fit and ready to start on Saturday, which I think, and Richie, I talked to to you about it earlier. I think it'll be a welcome boost to the team, having him back in the team. But, you know, from a, from a Newcastle perspective, um, uh, Keith, I'll come to you first. Is there is there anything that maybe you think might be slightly different or or are you kind of in agreement with the, with the team that I've, I've kind of put together there for, for Newcastle on Saturday? Well, I certainly feel more confident with Botman at the back, definitely. Because um, I'm wondering if maybe Lascelles would be in there, you know, because... Lascelles put a few performances in recently and Howe seems to be very loyal to his players in particular. It seems to, when someone gets in the team, he doesn't seem to move them out quickly. But I think um, Botman bringing back, bringing Botman back, um, I'd feel more confident. And it's, again, linking in with what Richie was saying about the rotation. Where, but, you know, we want to be careful that we don't get too thin on the ground. You know, Richie alluded earlier about the the hamstring um, issues with a few players out with hamstrings and a, a few warnings there. And it's it would be good to mix it up a bit. Um, I'm, I'm I would love Bruno to be back, but I'm I'm thinking maybe off the bench. You know, okay. it's at some point in the second half, um, as opposed because again I, I've got this. I know he's been in the chamber and things, and I would hate him to be rushed back into the seam in the full pelt of game at, at St. James's Park and for something to go wrong, you know. So bring him off the bench, maybe long staff, um, for like a half or you know, for 60 minutes, and then bring Bruno on if mm. need be. Okay, interesting. Richie, would you agree with that? Is there anything you would change about the way in which Newcastle have set, well, the way in which I've set the Newcastle team up? Or do you think that's looking like how it will start? I mean, I put Bruno in there initially, but but do you think Longstaff could be the one that starts the game? Yeah, it's it's a, it's a difficult one. Um, I think it, what it does highlight is, though, that, you know, it's not too bad... You know, I think we, as I mentioned earlier, we were all dreading it when we saw the midfield the other day when we know that uh, Bruno was out, Sam Maxwell was out. You know, we thought we were fearing the worst of Liverpool, but it, against Wolves and against um, Liverpool, have shown that they're not a soft midfield like they used to be. Um, you know, they're, they're solid now. They're, they're all, you know, singing on the same hymn sheet as the, you know, as one of the, the sayings and stuff like that. Everyone's working for each other. Um, and the, th- I think the good thing is, though, when you've got leaders on the pitch like Trippier, who constantly talks to players as well, and you've got to remember, you know, Longstaff and Willock are still young lads. Do you know what I mean? And if he can like show that leadership and and coach them through a ge- the game from a playing po- standpoint, it, it's great. I think one thing I I, I think we'll set up as in the, the formation he's been, you know, he's favoured four three three. I think that the front three could probably be the same as what you've got there. Uh, I don't think Maxi probably would be ready. So I'd be, I'd be more shocked if he was starting, put it that way. You know, yeah. um, he might be involved off the bench potentially. Uh, but obviously, that depends on how bad his hamstring strain was the other day against Wolves. Uh, but uh, Bruno, I, I think he might be involved at some point. Uh, I'd probably, 
it would all depend on. I think the more the, the player I'd be more concerned about would be Joe Willock, as we mentioned before. You know, he, he's pretty much played. He, he was the only one that started against Tranmere. Obviously, then he played against uh, Wolves as well, and then he played against Liverpool as well. So three away trips, three games where he's pretty much played every minute of those three three away games as well. I think the the one driving force he's going to be wanting to do to stay in that play in in just to play, even though he might be not physically in his best because of potential fatigue over those uh, three last games, is we touched on it last night. There seems to be this partnership developing with Alexander Isak on and off the pitch that um, we mentioned last night that it could be something where it helps you know him be a starting name over your long staffs, your Shelby's, you know, going forward, not just now when we're still on the ground. Um, so if you leave, he, he, you know, if if you left him out, it's understandable. But at the same time, he might be wanting to keep that connection going and. and Say it to, to Eddie Howe and Jason Tindall, look, I need to be one of the, the, the first names on the team sheet as well. So yes. I think it would all depend on how his legs are feeling. As at the end of the day, as we said, he might not he might not get a hamstring strain, but he could get some sort of other strain because of how much running he's over the last three games. So it's an interesting one, that one. The one thing I am pleased that you've put back in that is, uh, and it's slightly different is what Keith mentioned about, I know we, we know Eddie Howe likes to be loyal to his players. If they've, mm. Um, if they've been playing well. And to be fair, there's not many players haven't been playing well so far to start of the season, is bringing the two centre-halves back in. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, they've done nothing wrong prior to Liverpool either. So it's, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, you would say that Shah and Botman, realistically, are you probably your two starting centre-halves, naturally. Um, you know, people could argue the fact that Dan Burns done nothing wrong. As we've said, just said, he hasn't done anything wrong. You know what I mean? But when you've got your... Highest paid centre half who you is potentially a future Dutch captain, uh, you know, a, and a, a potential captain of Newcastle going forward potentially as well, and he's going to be as it's been mentioned a few times today, is probably going to be one of the first names on your team you're going forward. Is that spine in your team when you look at Pope Botman, uh, Bruno and Isak as your spine of your team? So it's hard to then leave that sort of player on the bench, uh, even when someone like Dan Burns done really well. And but the one thing Eddie Howe does really well is he's not afraid to drop someone. He's you know he doesn't just think do you know what I'm going to change the the, the the system because I've got better players to you know to fit into the system. So he could you know there's been talk about going back to a, a back three in Shaw, Botman, and Burn because I know it's never going to happen. But I, I know that and you know that people it ha- there has been people who've mentioned it because they've done nothing wrong. But at the same time. You do that, and you start thinking. Well, to be fair, lads, what's what's happened with Trippy and Target haven't done anything wrong either, as well. Just because yeah, it, right. it, when you've got a good squad, someone's going to have to leave out. You know, it's it's as a quarter to headache that you like to have, and it's only going to get harder when Newcastle go forward and are starting to recruit even better players than they've been able to put in now. Because then, then you're going to be turning around and saying, "Well, why is he leaving Botman out, or why is he resting, or why is he resting Bruno, or why is he resting Isak?" You're gonna get this in the years to come. So but I think the one reason why I like Botman and Shah back in there is because with Zaha being that threat on the left hand side for uh Palace, I think the, the double teaming that he's gonna get between obviously the work rate and tracking back from Almiron, Trippier obviously likes to we know he likes to get forward as well. But Shah's really good on that cover as a right centre back. You know, he can play right back, uh he's played right back before. 
he, as we've touched on the back three, he play, he's played right centre. So he's good in that cover if, say, Trippi is caught out of position and Armand's not being able to keep up with pace for or whatever reason. So in that, that's that, that's where I'm more comfortable with Shaw being in that right centre-back role over Lascelles. Lascelles tends to be more your typical orthodox centre-back. You know, he's... You could see a few times when in the first half against uh, Liverpool, there's a few times when you look at where Shaw would get the ball and he would try and pass it to Willock or Longstaff or Joe Linton in front of them and break the line. And there was a couple of times when Lascelles had that opportunity, but he did he wasn't comfortable playing that ball, and he would go back to either Pope or play it across to to Dan Byrne. So I think that just helps to set up the natural setup of how Eddie Howe wants to play, having Shaw and Botman there, uh, especially Shaw, as I mentioned, over the cells there. You mentioned it earlier on in the season, uh, what I say earlier on in the season, earlier on in pre-season, that um, you touched on the fact that <clears throat> there was there was a kind of a, um, a Botman and Shaw centre-back pairing at times, but there was also a burn and Lascelles centre-back pairing at times. And it looks like that that's what they're looking at in that Botman and Shaw is the centre-back pairing. And it's very clear that Byrne and, and Lascelles are the backup now. Obviously, like, like you said, they, they proved their worth against Liverpool. They were brilliant. But although they were brilliant, Botman and Shaw are still better as a partnership, in my opinion, and clearly in yours. So that's why they have to start. And and they need a rest because, like we've talked about, they are going to play Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, or Wednesday, Sunday, whatever it is. Um, they will. They are going to need a rest as well um, over the course of the season to be able to make sure that they're fit. Well, that's it. I think, I think you know, you, you touch on a rest. I think uh, Dan Burns do a rest because, obviously, when Botman came back in, you know, for at the start of the season, uh, when Byrne started at centre back, everyone thought that Byrne would drop out. But then yeah. Target got his Target got his slight knock, so he played at left back. So he hasn't had that natural breather yet, as you'd say. So Botman, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if Botman is sorry if Burns actually rested tomorrow. So to speak, yeah. it's just a, it's a natural rest. You know, not because he hasn't been playing well. At the end of the day, Botman's. You know, took it on the chin and said, "Look, I know I'm not. I want to play every game, but I know I'm not going to." It would be nice to say that. I know Dan Byrne means the club means so much to him, and the fans absolutely adore him because he does, it gives 110 percent every single time he puts the black and white stripes on. But he also needs to be realistic and say, obviously, you know, he's in his 30s now, so obviously he, he's going to want to be playing as much as he can. But also, the time is you having these in few game breathers as well will also help potentially prolong his career as well because you're putting less miles in the tank sort of thing as well uh, against really good Premier League opposition. Definitely. I think that's a fair point. And look, I'm just putting this this kind of uh, formation um, in place really because um, I think this is where it's going to be really, really interesting in how this team kind of uh, de develops or how the structure of the team develops over the course of the game on Saturday. Now, what's really interesting about this is that, you know, Palace play a similar system. They play a similar system in terms of the, that 4-3-3. So they've got their three midfielders here in Eze, Decore and Schlupp, um, who T was talking about earlier on. And obviously we've got the likes of Joe Linton, um, Willock, a long staff in this position here. Um, is there anything, Keith, uh, from the way in which Palace are set up 
that, that worries you? Are there any particular players that stand out for you that may potentially cause us a little bit, uh, 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 a few problems? For me, it's always um, Zaha. Really, I know he's been in brilliant form um, this year. And I just over the years at St. James's Park, like I think I remember, was it 2018-19 season where Palace won 1-0? And I think Palace got the late penalty. Um, and it was from a mistake that um, Zaha was managed to draw from the Newcastle back line. Um, it's going to be a challenge tomorrow, really keep controlling, containing, double teaming um, Zaha, really. Um, maybe I'd say as well. Uh, I think certainly yeah. coming, coming in as well in support of, of Zaha. Um, I'm interested to see how Schlupp performs, you know, in the sort of Conor Gallagher or Conor Gallagher role from like yeah. last year um, and how Newcastle are able to manage that situation as well. Definitely. It, it was interesting that T talked about Schlupp as that Gallagher replacement, not maybe um, as successful with the amount of goals that he scores, but equally, um, I think it's really, really important that, um, you know, some of his um, some of his, his sprints and his work rate is pretty good. Not great on the presses, but that um, they see him as a, as, a, as a Gallagher replacement. I don't see them as very similar players at all. But Schlupp has the... Has the he kind of has the knack to turn up in certain games, not necessarily against certain teams, but just or, or almost has like a, a bit of a surprise appearance and, and and turns up in certain games as a really good game. Hopefully that doesn't be the case tomorrow and 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 that he has a good game because he's got Joe Linton around him. And I think Joe Linton will stop um, him playing the way in which he probably wants to play. Um, but Eze is going to be an issue here, and this is where Willock's going to be need to be very, very careful because he plays on that same side of the midfield um, as Zaha makes those runs here. And Michael Palmer made the point in that actually, in some games, it's not necessarily the case that he plays on the left. Sometimes he plays as a central striker. Edward may come off the left here, and actually, there's a lot of like ins and outs, and maybe there'll be times that these two play as a front two, with Elise just dropping in there as a four, uh, as a coming on, on, on the left, which he can do. Um, so there is an opportunity for that to be um, a, a, a way in which they play too. But I do believe that Zaha will look to play in these areas. Um, they will look to try and exploit those areas. So Trippier is going to have to be on his game to stop that. Um, again, Amiron, which I've got no doubt will play that role in terms of trying to neutralise Eze here, but also trying to commit um, Mitchell. And this, for me, is where it's going to be a really, really good battle here, is that Mitchell is a very, very good defender uh, as a left-back. He's not. He's one of them. He's, he's, got, he's a better version of Dummett in terms of he's not one of them that's going to get forward and try and whip balls into the box. He's not one of them attacking left-backs. But what you'll find from him is defensively, he's always very, very solid. And I think Almiron, with his pace, will commit him. And just like the game at St. James's Park last season, Almiron committed Mitchell and actually got past him to win the ball in order to score the goal. So that will be an interesting battle there. Um, I don't know how 
Uh, Nathaniel Klein has been playing for, for Palace. But again, I think Fraser or Alan St. Maximin, whoever it would be that plays on that left, would or can get the better of Klein. I don't see him as the player that he was um, beforehand. Um, he's certainly not the player that he used to be um, after a number of injuries that he's had. But what's going to be interesting here is that these two, Anderson and Gay, are a very, very good defensive unit. They play in tandem. They play really well together. And it'll be interesting to see the, how um, Isaac gets on with these two. Now, the one thing that Anderson doesn't have is pace. So if I was Isaac, uh, Isaac I'd be playing off him. Um, because although he's physical in Anderson, he hasn't got the pace to get in and behind. So I'd be looking at getting into these areas, potentially, or getting to that area where he can cut onto his right and try and bend it into that top corner with the ball, um, certainly from this kind of space into there. Um, but Gay is a good defender. Okay, so it'll be really interesting to see what Isaac does and how he kind of uses these defenders to get the benefit of getting in and behind on things. So it's an interesting situation here. Um, does any of you guys, before we move on, um, have an opinion on Palace? And can you see where they maybe um, are at fault and where we can maybe exploit them? I de I've definitely got to agree with Paul what you say about Nathaniel Klein. I think that's the area that you need to target. He's probably, he's not at the, the stage he was in the career, you know, four or five years ago. You know, he's coming at the twilight of his career now and he hasn't really been great and set the world right on that front. So I think that's definitely there. And to be fair, it's the sort of, you know, you see him on the pit, this is where you, you, you shout him to have Maxi on it because Maxi would just, he'd just, you know, tear him another one, you know, the way he's been playing recently. Um, regards, you talk about, you know, the the, the, the battle at Almiron and Mitchell had in the, the same fixture last year. Um, it was just, it was that one bit of quality that from Almiron and obviously the Bruno set him away down that, with that ball down the right-hand side. And, uh, you know, he was able to get the other side of him and because he was able to... He, it was, it's a fantastic finish from where he is on his left foot, from what from from the far right corner of the box. Realistically, it was a hell of a finish, um, and nine times out of ten, that's probably not going to be the end result. It just on that occasion, it was. Um, but I think the interesting point is what you've mentioned as well as about where Isak should be targeting on Anderson. Anderson, the one I think that you've got to look go back three games when they played Liverpool. Obviously, Anderson, as you mentioned, not being physical. He's also a little bit naughty as well, you know those old school naughtiness little things. And we've got it. I don't think he sacks the same sort of person temperament wise at that Nunes is. You know Nunes has, hasn't really got that experience of playing in a top five uh, league uh, in in Europe. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and it was still new to him. You know, we're, we're talking like his second game in really that, and it was, it was his first start for Liverpool. Uh, and Anderson just got under his skin completely, and he didn't like it. With Isak, I don't think Isak's that sort of player. But also, Eddie Howe, you know, the people like Trippier as well will be saying, to him, "Look, don't let him get under skin. You, you, you've got the pace to get past him, so he doesn't have to be close to you. You can drag him out, get him into the channels." Um, so, you've, that, that's the difference between Isak and Nunes. The, you know, he's a different sort of player, so. Um, I like Anderson as a player, if I'm honest. I think he's. I, I liked him when he was at Fulham. I think he was that one standout player from the team that went down. And I was surprised he went to Palace because I thought there would be teams, uh, especially them being a, a, a Danish international, I thought 
you know, there'll be other people in from bigger clubs than Palace. So I was surprised he went to Palace, but I think it was a good astute signing for them. Um, and as you said, Anderson and Gear are a good centre back partnership for this level for, for where they are in the Premier League table. You probably look at there's not many other teams, as I said, in that in that other fourteen who've you know we have and uh, we've got a few decent uh, you know defensive part of centre back partnerships now, but there's not many that have got a good partnership like they have with Anderson and Gear. Definitely, and I think you know if anyone's going to breach that defence, it'll be him. It'll be Zach um, because he's got so much about his game that is going to keep these guys guessing. Um, that is for sure. And I think he's going to really, really commit this defence because we are a team that are going to want to push forward. So actually, I've had the team set up here almost like we're trying to stop Crystal Palace, but I think it's going to actually be the other way and that Joe Linton's going to be here, Willett's going to be here, Longscuff's going to be here and, 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 and literally Decore is going to be sitting on... Isaac in terms of trying to protect the defence here and we're going to push in and they're going to be sitting like this in the hope that they catch Newcastle on the counter-attack. So you're going to find that Botman and Shaw are going to be slightly further forward here. Trippy is going to be on the touchline here. Target's going to be here. And and this is how this is how I see the game. This is how I've just set this team up here now is how I see the game on Saturday. And it's going to be a case of can Newcastle United break Palace down? And Liverpool found it difficult when Palace sit on their 18-yard box or, we, or better like better yet for them on their nine nine yard like uh, nine yards out from from their goal on the penalty spot. This is how they're likely to set up and it's going to be a case of can Newcastle break them down? And you know, if if I if I move Longstaff out, sorry, Longstaff, and bring Bruno in, I believe we've got the ability to break them down at this point because we've got someone that's got of elite quality on the ball, um, and that's where I see Eddie Howe taking the risk in bringing him in. Yes, he's not doing all the pressing that Willock and Joe Linton's going to be doing that could affect his hamstring, but if he sits in there and just keeps the ball and just keeps it ticking over. So he keeps the ball here and he keeps it ticking over to Joe Linton or to Fraser or to Willock, Almiron, pumping those balls into Isaac. I think, uh, Isaac, sorry. I think that that's the, that's, that's what they, they're going to want. They're going to want to see that dominating performance. Now, the one thing we're going to have to worry about, and we've talked about it before, is here. Um, Zaha making those runs in here because it can be really, really dangerous. But... It's going to be an interesting one. It's going to be an interesting one to see how things kind of develop. I do believe that there are goals that Newcastle, if we turn up and we're bang on it, we, we can score goals. Um, we've already proven against Liverpool that we can work harder than any other team in the league. Liverpool are a hard-working team, but we've proven we can work harder than them. Uh, and we did that on Wednesday, but we're going to need to do it again. That is for sure. Um, any last things before I, I, I take the taxes board off? Not for me, the about Keith. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I would say is in general, Palace have really given a few of the big teams a scare this season, haven't they? Away from home on their own patch, you know. Um, obviously, Liverpool were very fortunate in that game against Palace as well to even get a draw at Anfield. And then, obviously, just after that, at the City, you know, City of Manchester going 2 0 up. Um, yeah. And they're always one of those teams who seems to really give City problems over the years. Um, 
So t- tomorrow will be, you know, when, when Newcastle play uh, Palace, it's going to be a really tough game. Definitely, undoubtedly. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a scare or two in their early doors. Definitely. It, what's really interesting in the chat, um, lots and lots of different uh, opinions going on here. Um, you know, Adam Adam McCarthy said that, you know, Alicia's got real quality on that left. Um, uh, you know, Michael said, don't sleep on Eze. He's been fantastic this season. I've been putting it in a bid. But, um, that Palace can't refuse. Look, I agree with you. I think he's quality. I think he would have been a great signing for us in the summer to bring in on that right-hand side because uh, Michael Elise is a super, super talented player that I think is going to the top. I think he's going right to the top, not just at club football, but international football as well. So one to keep an eye on there. Um, Almiron had him on toast for speed. What a goal. Yes, it was a great goal, but look, um, I've got to be honest, he is a fantastic defender, um, Tariq Mitchell. Um, and there's a reason why he got his England cap on the back of that as well. Chris, um, obviously one of the loaded boys, has come with a great question. Um, he's put, lads, question. Do you do we have a responsibility to look after Miggy too? Um, you know, um, you know, the 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 kilometres he puts in every match uh, is mammoth. I know the options are limited, but could we look to rest Miggy at some point in the season? No, I, 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 I agree with him, Pete, because at the end, I think, do you know what? There's a good chance he could have done, but the unfortunate thing is, um, we lost Maxi for those, you know, the end of the Wolves game and for the other night. So, Fraser's stepping up to cover for them now, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you know, West Ham come next week, we might rest Miggy and start Fraser on the right because we know Fraser can play on both flanks. Um, and he's, he's, we've said numerous times on this channel, he's a fantastic backup for both of those players. So for me, yeah, I think you can protect Almiron on that front as well because you still know off Brian Fraser, you'll get the legs and press from him as well. He tracks back as well. He's just as yeah. hard a work and player. For me, you probably get a bit more of an end product as a winger from Fraser than you would from Almiron, you know, on the crossing side of things to the assists and stuff like that. But uh, I don't think anybody can fault how Almiron started this year. You look at the back end of last season, probably from when we played Palace last uh, at the end of April and then got all the way through to now, you know, pre-season he came back, hit the ground running, probably excelled more than anybody thought he would. And he's brought that form from pre-season into the start. So, for me, you know, he's he's the first name that you'd think of for right midfield, but he's also got that thing, you know, he, look, he's like, he still has to look over his shoulder because there's still someone there who can do just as good a job, in my opinion. I mean, as, as well, later on in the season, um, on the midpoint of the season, or early, towards the midway point of the season, one of the players we don't have to worry about in the World Cup will uh, be Almiron, because I don't think um, Paraguay are in the World Cup, are they? No, they didn't, didn't qualify. No, in November, they didn't qualify, so we be getting a little break then, at least. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so what you're saying is, Keith, that we could just rag him around and, and drill him into the ground so that he gets a four-week rest uh, up until Boxing Day when we when we travel to the King Power. Is that what you're saying? You'll, you'll be fresh come Boxing Day, at least. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but look, I've got to be honest, 
Um, I think Richie made a really good point. Ryan Fraser makes some good runs down there. And actually, when he came on against Wolves, he was really, really good. He proved it again against Liverpool here. He gets down into these positions and he puts some really good balls into the box here. But what you find is he tends to put the ball behind into this area. And if Isaac's going here or here, what we need is someone like Willock arriving here or Joe Linton here. Because the amount of times, it frustrates me a lot, the amount of times that the ball comes into the box and we never have a second man or even a third man coming and arriving in the box yeah. to follow up. The amount of times that a, you know, a striker, whether it's Willock or Isaac, will make the run into this area to try and get the ball at the near post. But Fraser will tend to put it back here and we don't have the second man to come in on the end of it. It might be that the defender takes a touch from the ball and the ball comes out to this area, but we've got no one here, or it comes here, or it comes here, and we've got no one here or here. All arriving in the box, it's frustrating. It frustrates the hell out of me, and this is what we need to be doing more. If we've got a guy that's going to put putting the ball into the box, we can't just expect that Alexander Isaac um, is the only guy in the box to try and get on the end of it when he's got two centre-backs that are trying to stop him. We need midfielders to come and arrive in the box. Equally, on the back of that, is that when we have the ball in these positions and Miguel Amiron is trying to run and there's been a ball that's clipped in by Trippier into this area here and Amiron gets the ball, I don't mind the fact that he cuts back on his left here. What I want to see is with his left foot, whip it into the box. He's actually got a good cross in him. There's a ball here at Molyneux where he was playing on the left-hand side and he whipped the ball into the box, and it was a fantastic ball. I'm not sure if it was the one in which Wood headed the ball and it got deflected wide for a corner, um, just in this area. But what I, I know what you say, I know what you say, Peter. It's, it's, it's what you want from Almiron is for a ball like uh, Maxi played for him for the goal against Man City, where yeah. you, you, if he is going to cut back in, he's then going to play that dangerous little ball. Just yeah. around the six-yard box for people to attack and put the goalkeeper in no man's land. Yeah, but he just, it, it, he just, just doesn't do it enough. That's the problem. He just doesn't have that quality sometimes. Well, he doesn't play that ball at all. And this is the thing: like a lot of people get on his back because he doesn't play with his right foot and cross it into the box from here, which is fine. You know, if he's not strong in his right foot, that's fine. If he doesn't feel confident in it, if it's going to be a p roller to Gay and he's going to get rid of it, that's absolutely fine too. But if he's going to get the ball in this position and he's going to then cut back onto his left and Mitchell's here, whip it in. Whip it in with that ball there, cut it inside to, to Isaac, you know, Joe Linton on the end of that. Fraser coming in at the back post, there's an option. There's two or three options that could be there. But the fact that Amiron gets the ball here and what his first thought is, is to play it back to Trippier. And Trippier then puts the ball in. It becomes repetitive. And, it, and when it becomes repetitive, it's easy to defend because yeah. you know what's coming. So he needs to up his game. Alan St. Maximum has changed his game up. What you can see is that he goes down his right and he cuts in on his right-hand side into this space here. But what he's been doing this season is going down on his left. He's opened up his game. Miguel Amiron, for as good as he's been, he's been brilliant this season. He needs to open up his game. And if he's going to cut back on his left, he needs to whip that ball in. We need to see more of that happening um, in the game because we need to open it up and give 
the opposition more to think about. But that's just something from from my perspective that I I thought would be really really useful um, uh, from from a Newcastle perspective. But look, um, we'll, we'll, we'll leave that there for the, for the tactics board. Uh, we we could have carried on talking about various other positions on the pitch all day um, with regards to that, but. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how the tactical game comes about. And Richie, I know um, from a coaching point of view, both you and myself will keep a close eye on that and how that unfolds on the game on Saturday. But um, look, what I want to get to now is um, is, is is our predictions. So um, I don't know what you guys think. Um, I'm a slightly nervous about how this game is going to unfold um, uh, on Saturday. Uh, but Richie, come five o'clock, on on Saturday, and not that I'm trying to influence your decision here, but <laughs> but Wood Eye is already put in there two nil to Newcastle United. He's confident. He thinks it's going to be uh, a win for Newcastle. Paul Gallant, member of the channel, uh, fan of the channel, who's put I'm hoping for three points tomorrow. What do you think is going to be come five o'clock Saturday afternoon? Well, firstly, I want to say to Paul, because I know Paul's actually making the trip up to the game tomorrow. So, Paul, I really hope you do get the three points and enjoy the game tomorrow. So, I really, really hope you enjoy the new atmosphere, because I know I don't know if it's your first game since, you know, the flags are all there. So, you'll you love it, mate. You really, really will. Uh, it's funny you put up uh, the comment there about the 2-0. I actually believe Newcastle will win 2-0 tomorrow. Uh I know Chris Hall's mentioned it as well. He thinks 2-0 tomorrow as well. Uh, I am actually confident. We, you know, I, we've had a hard run, um, some tough away games. And obviously then the, it was uh, Man City sandwiched at home in between as well. So, uh, it's it, you know, if you'd, if you'd asked us, we, you know, we've got six points from our start. From our start um, is it, I think people were looking between six and nine when you saw those first five games. Everyone was saying, You've got a really hard start of the season. And we did because we know Brighton's a hard place to go. Liverpool's a hard place to go. Man City's a hard game, full stop, whether it's at home or away. And Wolves can be a tricky place to go. We you know, we haven't got much sometimes down there. We've scraped a couple of draws in recent years since we've both been promoted. Um so you you know, we've got we've got to make St James's Park that fortress as both me and uh, Keith touched on since the, since the this calendar year. It's you know the the our home form is phenomenal, um, and I believe that will be the case tomorrow as well. I, 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 yeah, the, the Palace have got, uh, you know, some really talented, gifted players, and can hurt you on the day. I look at how how new Eddie House set up against them when they came up last season. Um, Zaha was quiet when he played. He, you know, I, I was actually quite, uh, you know. I was really shocked how bad he was on the day. Not necessarily saying that that's going to say it was. Uh, he's going to be like that tomorrow. You know, I'd, I'd like Bruno to get under his skin again, like him and Almiron did just before the, the goal last like, uh, in the last game when they visit. Uh, it'd be nice to see that. Wow. Um, but no, I, just, I just think Newcastle will have far too much quality tomorrow at St James's. No, I, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you. I've got to be honest. <laughs> Paul Gallagher said, "Yeah, I'm hoping for three points," and then all of a sudden he's putting on four nil. <laughs> I, I love it, Paul. But you know what? For, for your sake, Paul, like from what Richie's just said, and the fact that you're traveling up 
this, this park I really, really hope is. And, and he's actually filming tomorrow outside the ground as well. So enjoy your yeah. first experience as well, Paul. Definitely make sure you share that, Paul. Um, you're filming on the day. Um, Loaded Mag and UFC will be sure to be supportive with, with, with your filming on that day. That is for sure. Um, it, look, I'm going to go for it. You know, Doug, the tune is gone for 3-1. Uh, Tangy Vivid uh, is gone for 3-1 to us. Um, you know, uh, Carl Segi is gone for 2-0. Uh, um, great to have you on, Carl Segi. Always a massive supporter of the channel. No doubt about it. But look, there's other there's, there's other predictions in there that I'm just going to hold. Yeah, Simon Simon's went three 0 Obviously, sponsors of channel always appreciated. Simon three 0 tomorrow. Uh, you know, you're going down as you said, Tangy Vid, Jolly Tune for life on as usual. Three 0 three 0 by uh Mall as well. There's there's not much coming in here. You know, like uh. Any support for the Palace, which is what I like to see, uh, <laughs> as you said. So, yeah, this, you know, I went, as I said, Chris was in there as well, somewhere as well. He put his 2 0 on as well. There you go. Yeah, Doug the two was asking his goal. Chris says 2 0. So, not much people giving their uh, hope for uh, Palace tomorrow. And, and that's interesting because I'm going to come to Keith, I'm going to come to you because you're normally. Uh, uh, a guy that sits on the fence with regards to results like this, um, you know, when we're predicting, you know, there's been a lot of positivity in the chat tonight. I've got to be honest. Um, do you hold that same positivity or are you going to be a little bit more reserved in your um, opinion of how the game is going to unfold? I think it could be a nervy affair, definitely. Uh, because... Uh... <laughs> I knew it! I knew it! <laughs> Well, I can see 1-0 either way, or I can see a draw, because Palace have gave, just saying earlier again, Anfield, City of Manchester Stadium, against the best two teams of, like, certainly the last five, six years, gave Liverpool very lucky to get that point back, especially when that man sent off. Um, and, you know, for uh, that first half, it beat City. That first half, and it took... I'll, you know, it took um, Holland, Ellen Holland, um, in the second half to get going to really put them against the sword. Crystal Palace as well have scored against every team they've played this season, apart from Arsenal in the opening day of the season. But but there's a lot going on. I mean, do you think as well with Crystal Palace at the minute that there's issues behind the scenes, you know, a little bit of discontent. You know, I'm thinking of um, Zaha with his post-match con uh, comments in the last game where they threw it away. You know, they threw the three points away and they only got the two. You know, the, there's a lot There's a lot going on there, really, I think, but potentially behind the scenes. Um, it's, I think it's one It's one thing to keep saying in the dressing room where it's, it's you know, it's accepted what stays in the dressing room, stays in the dressing room. To yeah. say it on camera like that, you know, you are calling people out, so to speak. Do you know what I mean? And uh, I, th I don't think you'll ever see any Newcastle players do that. They wouldn't dare. I don't think Eddie Howe would stand for it. You'd probably see them on the bench the following game if it was something like that would happen. Um, so it's, it's a possibility. Uh, but at the same time, it's you know he, he's potentially thinking, well, look, I'm I'm getting the goals for you at the other end. We need to do be doing something at the other end. So it it's probably that. You know, it's, it's where you'd have Eddie Howe talk. Everyone was trying to get a reaction out of Eddie Howe the night when we lost to Liverpool. And you, you, 
you know, he says, oh, everyone was, everyone was in the press conference and he looked really calm after the end. And he's like, no, nah, I wasn't inside. But he's that professionally knows what he has to say. And perhaps that's what sometimes when you, you've been caught in the moment and it's, it's, it's still raw and still new after a game, people ex, you know, express their views potentially not the way they want to. And I think Zaha was definitely caught out by that the other night. Definitely. Yeah, I think, yep. Yeah, and just this little side issue, yeah, for another show, but talking about managing the media and what you're saying, yeah. what Brendan Rodgers has been saying recently about Leicester's surprises and threw us off as well. You know, in the last few days, saying Leicester aren't as good as they were, not the same club as they were a few years ago. Again, it just sends out the wrong message. But going back to the prediction, I actually think it could, despite the scares, it could be a narrow win for Newcastle tomorrow. It could be a, maybe a 2-1 uh, tomorrow because I just think that, you know, to go to Anfield and, you know, to to get an extra time and to take 98 minutes to get ahead and to go behind Liverpool and for Liverpool to beat Newcastle with the last kick, you've got to get confidence from them sort of games really to think how far they've actually came up. So I think Isak could be the man again tomorrow and in two games in a row could get um it could he could at least get one goal and I think Newcastle could get in the narrow win two one. I think the interesting point you, you touched on it was about how Palace have, have hurt Man City and Liverpool at their place this year. I think the difference being is I think Trippier is a lot more experienced as a defender than say Kyle Walker and Trent Alexander. They're not renowned for being the best defenders as such. Whereas you you'll still see Trippier put his body on the line. But I also will expect Eddie Howe to be drilling it into his defence that they've hurt them and they can be. But the thing is, though, we're not as, I would say, yet, we're not as attacking adventure-wise from the full-backs as potentially what those are. You know, Man City in particular tend to leave the two centre-backs at all and potentially Rodri in front. Do you know And then have lots of gaps and they took the full-backs in and you've got that space. We don't do that. So it's a little bit of trickier for, you know, Zaha to potentially have his own way tomorrow. Definitely. Look, I'll be honest with you. I've, I've been completely blinded by this, by the fact that actually Keith has predicted this to win. Uh, so, yeah, it's yellow. Means... I've got to start. I've got to start wearing yellow a lot more, brighter colours, positivity. That's it. Those Brazilian colours to to back up Brazilian boys. That's what I love to see. Yeah. And uh, look for me. Uh, th- that's good. That's good enough. The fact that you're predicting this to win, I am more than happy with that. And I think every fan in the chat and, and is on the panel would take that all day long. Just matter how we win, just as Matt, just as long as we we get those three points and those three points are on the board um, to take us up right up the table. But um, yeah, for me, I'm going to stick with my prediction. I. I I went on with with Dion back in the net nest and I I gave my prediction. I said I said I thought we would we'd win one nil. I thought it would be a tight game uh, with with Crystal Palace a little bit like it was midweek in the game in the back end of the season. But I think we'll win. I really do. I think the boys will be up for it, and I think we'll get the result that we need to to kind of kick us on and, and move us forward. So let's uh, let's be positive and let's. Uh, hope for those three points um, at the end of the at the end of the game um, at sort of a five o'clock um, 
uh, Saturday evening. But, but yeah, Simon Rudd is, is in the chat very much so. Um, I can get you a couple of Brazilian yellow loaded t-shirts, <laughs> of course, of course. And I've already ordered one. I just need to. I just need to send that money over to you, Simon, um, to make sure that uh, I get that. That I think. I think we've all said we'll have one, haven't we? It's definitely the, the definitely the best one. That yellow one. It's just. Oh. It's, I literally definitely. when it came out, I said I, I messaged Simon. I was like. I need to get that Brazilian away day shirt. Like we need to get that. I, I, that I said, I said the same as well. I said that that tops Brazilian, and I've, every time I said it is, it's Brazilian. It really is. One hundred percent. You know what? Why not do that? Why not get an away days um, t shirt Brazilian on it? Why not? Yeah. I mean, you know what to do, Brazilian <laughs> away days Brazilian t shirt. I'll buy the away days Brazilian shirt right now. But if you get an away days Brazilian shirt, I'll buy that too. And look, they are available. Um, uh, the the right tune now. is Brazilian, eh? Something like that. Yeah. Why not? Uh, and look, Simon, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it in your capable hands um, to make sure that, that that's a possibility. Uh, I'm sure it will be um, because, look, you're a fantastic sponsor of the channel. And let's get to that right now. So, um, Massive thanks to Shyburns, www.shyburns.com. Make sure, if you haven't already, get involved in that channel um, uh, on that website and check out the fantastic gear that is available uh, from Shyburns. It is all about supporting mental health, okay? Uh, it's not a dirty secret, as it says on that top there. Mental health is very, very important. We need to support each other. And we need to show our support for those that are struggling with mental health. Um, and um, we are absolutely proud of, of the likes of Simon and being a, a channel that supports mental health in itself. So please, please, please show your support um, for Simon and, and, and the channel in itself. Um, we also have, and we've just talked about it, the Away Days t-shirts. Um, yes, we do love playing away. Um and there are some fantastic T-shirts there. We haven't got the Brazilian shirt on here right now, but no doubt we will have it on here before we do our next Away Day sh um, show next week. Um, but also, we have some fantastic um, support of the channel from Pins and Prints. Um, I've talked about this before. Some of their pins uh, and some of their prints are absolutely fantastic. You've just seen Craig Bellamy and Ben Arthur. Uh, we also have... Um, the Prince and the fantastic goal from Fabian Shaw. I'm, I'm waiting now. I said to you guys as well, I'm waiting for the Fabian Shaw goal, but now I'm waiting for the Alan St. Maximum Pools goal as well. So Pins and Prince, you know what to do. And there's some fantastic mix and matches as well with some of the old kits as always. And of course, uh, Marty from Machine House. We cannot forget these guys. They're fantastic supporters of the channel always supporting the channel and promoting what we do. Uh, please get involved in, um, in some of their clothing line. Their clothing line is the best around. There's no doubt about it. Um, and, you know, show your support for Machine House because they do so much for us. And because you guys love Loaded so much, it's so, it's so important for us that you show your love and support for Machine House as well. Of course, become a member. We've had some members recently in the last few days. Um, click that blue button and join for one ninety nine a month. Become a loaded member and join our family. And of course, we are on the march for five k. 
Um, look, for us to be 5K in less than a year and a half, um, being in, in existence for Newcastle United content would mean the absolute world for us at Loaded Mag NUFC. So just click that subscribe button. One or two new new um, joiners in the chatters tonight. Click that subscribe button. Become, become a subscriber to the channel so you can see all the content that we have available and you're able to join the chat for all the shows that we have available to us. Um, don't you know don't be afraid to do that um we have so much content that will be available in the weeks to come as well um look at this point now is there anything that you guys want to end on before we before we end this show i think we've crammed as much as we could in, uh for the game or content in the last two hours mate we really did we really did for sure but as always look keith massive thanks to you um double o stato Always coming in with the stats. And look, we've got Carl Siggy as a member. Thank you for joining us and becoming a member of the Loaded family. Um, massively appreciate it. Keep an eye on the shows that are coming up because there are plenty that will be available um, in the weeks and uh, days and weeks to come. But look, Keith, massive thanks to you for all of your stats. You are a fantastic supporter of the channel and it's great to have you as a part of Away Days. Um, your stats and your responses that you get when you join the chat during the show is an absolute joy. And uh, I'm looking I hope forward to the compilation. I'm looking forward to the compilations and reactions. <laughs> it has to be done. It has to be done. And I'm sure Daz has been watching and, and I'm sure it will be put together very, very shortly. There's no doubt about it. But Richie, as always, a pleasure. Great opinions, great knowledge, as always. And look, as of course, is three. We're, we're praying for those three points on Saturday. Um, so hopefully we're back on on Saturday talking about three points, moving up the table. Everything's great. Players are getting fit, but we'll see um, before that. But look, as always, um, pleasure to speak to you all and have everyone in the chat. Um, I'm going to let you go. Enjoy your Friday evening. And, of course, we do love playing away. You guys take care. Speak to you soon. Good night, everyone. Bye.